Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May. How to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016, I helped him launch his very first membership. He had a done for you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership. In his first launch, he got 130 members, bringing him in about 60,000 in income every year. Now, He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast, episode 138. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast and I'm your host, Teresa Heathwaring. If you're a marketer, business owner or entrepreneur that is frustrated and overwhelmed with all the constant changes in digital marketing and social media, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each week, I share with you easy, insightful and actionable steps that you can use to grow your business. So let's get started. Well, hello there and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. As always, I am your host, Teresa Heathwearing. I used to say that a lot at the beginning and I don't say it at all now, which is funny because surely there's people that are new to the podcast. Uh, Maybe they don't know that I'm the host. Anyway, if that was you, you do now know I'm the host. Uh, One odd way to start my podcast. But if you are a regular listener, you know that you could just be expecting anything. I feel like I wing this most of the time, uh, which I think we do in life generally, if I'm honest. I had a call with one of my 90 day people and she was talking about the fact of, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing. And I said, I don't don't think any of us really do. (laughs) We just do the best job that we can at winging it. So uh, yeah, so that's a bit of an odd start. But anyway, how are things? How are you doing? So this week I've got an interview for you. But before we get going and I tell you about that, I want to tell you about a new free training that I am going to be doing, which if you followed me for a while, if you've been on any of my masterclasses or webinars, you know I love this stuff. I get very excited. I take a huge amount of energy from it. And I love the question and answer bit at the end. So for me, any kind of free training, any webinar, any masterclass, whatever we want to call it, it's effectively all the same thing. The thing I love the most is the fact that you get to ask me a question about your business because I find it fascinating. Seriously, I have worked with some amazing, crazy, brilliant, wonderful businesses over the many years in marketing. And 
I just love hearing about people's businesses and what they do and how they do it and why they do it. So for me, that's the best bit. And also that's like, again, when my brain comes alive is in the fact that I have to think fast and I have to come up with ideas quickly. And I think my brain quite likes that. So I am running a free training, which is going to be the five things that you must know to successfully market your small business and get more customers. That isn't the most catchiest subject title in the world. However, I might have tweaked it by the time that this episode actually comes out, because as always, I'm a little bit of a head. So that's what it's basically going to be about. I'm going to tell you the five things that you need to know and be doing in your business in order to really successfully market your small business. And these aren't going to be crazy, amazing, hire a marketing team, if only. These are going to be things that you can do. And again, if you've ever been to my stuff, you know that I do not waste your time. This is going to be an hour's training. I'm going to be live in my office, in my home, as I always am. And I'm going to be sharing with you stuff that you can take away and do that very moment or that next day and things that will make a difference to your business. So this isn't going to be an hour of me chatting away. This is going to be an hour of me giving you good, good free training, which is awesome. And then I've got some other exciting things to tell you, which I won't be telling you until that free training. If you join me for that free training, I'll be telling you about something that's happening in November, which you will get a chance to be part of, which would be really, really cool. Okay, so if you want to join me for that, probably good idea if I give you the link. The link is TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash free training, all one word. So if you go there, you will see a lovely landing page. You just have to put your details in and you can register for that training and you can join me live on, actually it'd be a good idea if I gave you the date, October the 15th. There we go. Okay, so like I said, that's going to be a great hour, well worth your time, free training. I can't wait to see that and get to meet some of you. When I say meet, I mean virtually through a training, but uh, we get to chat, so that's cool. You get to ask me questions, so I'm really, really looking forward to that. Okay, on with today's episode. Now, this is a really interesting episode, and sometimes when you say interesting, it doesn't mean good. I don't mean that at all. I mean, this was fascinating. I got to interview the very lovely Jamie Cross, who talked to me about her business and how she grew it literally from the bottom up. So let me read you this bio. Jamie Cross is a wife of 20 years and a mother of four small boys with the fifth on the way. And she is an eight-figure entrepreneur. Eight figures. Like, when I read that, I was like, oh my goodness. Like that is a big business. So she founded her organic skincare company, MIG Living, after seeing a business plan in a dream 10 years ago. Last year, Jamie also started the Her Effect as a global movement to mobilize and empower women towards action and vision for impact, giving them all that is necessary to be successful in their families, their business and in life. Jamie's been featured on top morning shows such as NBC, Fox, ABC, CBS, all the letters, as well as in lifestyle magazines, Forbes, US Today, Red Tricycle and more. Now, first off, running a business is a lot of work. Running a business that is an eight-figure business, I could imagine, is a whole host of work. 
And then she is a mum to four boys and has one on the way. Like, I have one daughter and that is hard enough. And a grown-up stepson who pretty much looks after himself. So, honestly, I, I don't know where this lady gets her energy from because it feels to me like she is some kind of superpower. Also, her story about how the business plan came to her blew my mind. And I just kept having to ask questions about it because I just couldn't, when I say couldn't believe it, I don't mean I didn't believe her. I just mean it was just an amazing story. So I don't want to say any more because I want you to go and listen to her and listen how she came up with this amazing business idea and then succeeded in this idea in probably one of the most competitive industries. And, you know, skincare, they are huge marketing budgets, huge, huge, huge. So the fact that she's taken it from literally an idea to an eight-figure business is mind-blowing. Anyway, I hope you're going to enjoy her story and enjoy all that she has to tell us. So it's my great pleasure today to welcome the very lovely Jamie Cross to the podcast. Welcome, Jamie. How are you? Thank you. Good. How are you doing? Thank you yeah, for having not me. Bad. We were just chatting about the weather because it is one of the most British things to do that wherever uh, we speak to anybody in the world that we talk about the weather and yours has been particularly exciting that you've had crazy hot weather and now you've got snow. Yes. So, yes. Colorado at its finest. So yeah, that's a little bit different from where we are in the UK at the moment, where it's just pretty <laughs> dull. Um, so Jamie, just so my audience can get a feel for who you are and how you got to do what you're doing, if you can just give us a brief overview of your history, that would be awesome. For sure. Yeah. So I got out of corporate banking t- um, actually 12 and a half years ago and two and a half years into full-time motherhood. I just knew I had to build something, knew I wanted to do better than struggling financially. So I um, asked God for a billion dollar idea, had a dream and started a skincare company in 2010. And we've just uh, blown past the eight figure mark in the last two and a half years since scaling online. So we have been in business for 10 years and um, and it's been amazing and hard and all those things. <laughs> That is just like, I love the way you just really casually go. I was in banking, I asked for an idea and I created skincare. Like I couldn't imagine a more difficult thing to try and create. So was it that you had a particular interest? I mean, we've all got a vague interest anyway, haven't we? But what was it something in particular? Where does that come from? Yeah, well, I had, um, I had a dream and I saw myself doing what I'm doing now, but I, it was like a roadmap. Um, and to this day, 10 years later, I can literally close my eyes and see it as if I had been watching a movie. So it was like, here you go, here's an idea. (laughs) And I didn't know how to formulate. I mean, my whole background was finance and banking. And so I spent a year on my own, just studying herbal alchemy and chemistry and naturopathic healing and um, herbal medicine. And so formulated our first product after about a year of studying. And, um, and then it's, you know, and then it was just, and I don't know what kind of questions or how deep you want me to go at this point, but you know, it was like, take the product. I hit the streets of Denver and Colorado Springs, just started walking into stores and talking to owners and buyers and just hustling and selling product um, in the beginning. Cause again, you're going into like one of the most 
difficult industry to go into. Yeah. Ones with humongous budgets. Like, Mm -hmm. again, it was literally like, do do you want to make it harder on yourself? You could have gone down like (laughs) a whole different route, made it super easy. But no, we're going to make it really, really difficult. So I'm really interested in the dream. And because I like, you know, I like a bit of spiritual stuff. I like kind of, you know, I I try and manifest things. Not sure how successful I am, but I give it a go. But like, was it, that is a hell of a jump. That is a real step. Like, I dreamt something, I'm going to do it. So did it kind of say, or or did you feel like you could see the route you needed to go and you follow that route? Or did you just start and then follow a path that you were making on your own? Or how did that come about? Yeah, Yeah, that's a really good question. Because a lot of times I think people think when they start a business, I mean, it's good to have a vision. It's, I mean, it's necessary to have a vision. It's good to have a plan. But most of the time when you start something, the idea is, okay, I have an idea now, a skincare company. And so then you have to ask the right questions. What, um, what's for me being in a consumable product market, you know, started with what's the best product to start with and formulate? What are people going to buy over and over? What's a product that everybody needs? And so it just started with what kind of problems can I solve for people? I think every successful business, I know every successful business is built on solving problems well mm-hmm. for the for the market. And so, um, so it started with a bar of soap. And I know it's so like counterintuitive because you, people think, you know, success and, oh, you started with all this knowledge and you must have started with all this capital, but I had nothing. I had no knowledge. I had no capital. As a matter of fact, I was the girl standing at the grocery checkout, like my debit card declining. <laughs> you know, we were struck. My husband was teaching full-time coaching wrestling and I'd given up a huge salary as a banker. So that was where like just the pure bootstrapping grit of, okay, I can't, I can't afford to build a pretty website or make a really pretty logo. I just have to make a really good product and so, um, and that's where the hustle came in. Like I took my product after formulating and just was walking into, you know, stores all over the state of Colorado. Um, and we grew from there, but, um, the billion dollar business starts with the smallest, taking the smallest action. And, and, um, for me, it started with a bar of soap. <laughs> that is just unbelievable. Like, you know, it's to know where you are today. Did you ever for one moment think that's where I'm aiming to get to or that's what I'm trying to or was it literally like let's just get to the next bit to the next bit to the next bit well there's there's both there's you know there's two parts to that there's being the visionary of like yes I can see and for me I I've always been you know having come out of a banking career Mm -hmm. and not struggling financially to all of a sudden having these like real problems like our utility companies are calling saying like when are you going to make your payment and me thinking this is not how I'm gonna live my life you know and so there was the day-to-day of how do we separate ourselves in a saturated market how do I create something that's going to solve problems for people in a unique way what do people really want and what do they really need and then there was the vision of like there's two prices to pay I can pay the price of mediocrity and stay in this financial struggle for the rest of my existence, 
or I can pay the price of figuring this thing out and going for it. And so I, I could, I mean, I, when I started it, it started with this just cry of God, show me a billion dollar idea so that I can change the world and leave a legacy for my family. So the vision, the seed of vision was there, but how you get there is just a matter of that's where, that's where the rubber meets the road. And that's where I think a lot of people either um, they quit too soon or they never really ever get started because people don't understand. I think they think success, you're born into success, yeah, which is not the case. And so I had to do a lot of mindset, like work on just, am I worthy of wealth? Can I do this? Can I, can I be successful? Can I do something that's going to work and then keep working, you know, but when the rubber hits the road, it really is just a matter of doing the work. And I think that's where people fail. And I think you're entirely correct. I think sometimes people look at a story like yours and rightly so it motivates them, which is wonderful. It should do. But also because they're not living it every single day, it sounds so easy. It's like make a product, learn something, make a product, put it out there, work your bum off a little bit, boom, you got an eight-figure business, which is just insane. <laughs> and obviously that they weren't there for every single day of those 10 years where, oh man, I bet. So in those early days, right, you've got your product, you're really proud of it. You're really like, yeah, I love this. I know it's really good. How was that experience of going and trying to sell it? Like almost like a door-to-door salesperson type thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, in the beginning, the bar soap was a huge hit. I mean, I I didn't skimp in my research. I didn't just try to get a product out there. I took my time. I I really gained a keen knowledge of the human body. And I really developed my formulation strategy around the fact that your body's able to heal itself. It's designed to heal itself and so natural. And what really ticked me off in the beginning was all the good marketing out there, of like pure and natural and clean. And then when you actually look at the ingredient profiles, you're like, this stuff is garbage. And so just developing that philosophy and, um, and then being able to get out there. But the truth is I started off with a bar of soap and did wholesale retail for a year. And then I did farmer's markets. And that was like in the first year of doing markets, you talk to thousands of people and you realize how picky people are. You realize really what kind of problems are out there. Like I would have people come to my table, say I've spent so much money on lotions and potions. I've tried everything. I've been to every expert. Nothing's worked. Can you help me? And so I had to go back to the drawing board in that first year because I started to create follow-on products. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it was a slap in the face, but you can't take that process personally. And I had to realize like, okay, you know, this isn't as effective as I wanted to be the lotion bar, you know, people want, they're like, I want 24 hours of hydration, but I don't want to feel it on my skin. And I want it to smell good, but I don't want it to be too, you know, fragrant. And so I'm using essential oils. I'm using natural botanicals. And um, I had to go back to the drawing board with my formulations for that first year and perfect my, my products to where I finally got to a point after the first year where 95% of people were like, I've tried everything, but I've been using your stuff for a week or three weeks or a month, you know, the summer and my, my situation's completely been transformed. And so that's the power of just doing the work and the groundwork and being willing to not be like, my stuff's awesome. And why, you know, what's wrong with you guys? You're not buying my product. It's like, no, 
I know that there's this, this is a work in progress. And so going through that process in any business is so critical. Like you've got to get the feedback and you've got to be willing to ask yourself the hard question. Like, is this stuff just mm-hmm. not there yet? And I need to keep making changes and think, then do the work. I think you, you know, that is such a good point because you could have the best marketing in the world. You could have the loveliest brand. You could have the most beautiful website, but if your product sucks, then it doesn't matter, does it? And I think I should imagine that most people in your situation would have just been really keen to make it, sell it, make it, sell it. And the fact that you were willing to go a little bit slower and a little bit more trying to consider each, you know, each product and was it right? And could you make it better? And and time where the panic must have been setting in, like, I need to sell some stuff. I need to make some money. Like, did you feel that at the time? Was it like, I'm in a pressure cooker? Yeah, there were times when, especially the, I mean, I did four years of farmer's markets and there were times when we were like relying on a certain amount that we would typically do at a market, but it would rain and nobody would be there that day. Or, you know, we'd have a weather issue or it was just a day that maybe, I mean, there would be times when there was this unknown festival happening down the street and nobody came to the market. And so I would walk away with zero and And the work it took to like make the product, label the product, pack the product, drive an hour up to Denver, set the table up, and then to be at zero at the end of the day. There were many, I mean, there were so many opportunities of just like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. (laughs) Or it's not working, but you just got to keep going. So was your intention, because the jump or trying to understand how you went from a farmer's market, and obviously if you've not been over in the States, they're just, they are really similar to our markets over here in the UK. But I've been to a farmer's market in the States and I can't imagine how you went from there to a building to online to the size you are now. Like at that point, was there like, we're only going to do this for a length of time and then we're going to move into this next step? Yeah, exactly. So understanding what phase you're in in business will help you push through the hard parts. So I knew that we were not building a farmer's market business model, that that was more of a market research phase. Like for me to, I mean, the craziest things would happen at these markets. Like there would be three or four other skincare companies at the same market and they would send their people to my table to like copy my stuff or like take my ideas. And so I had to get really aggressive about who are we, what we stand for, what's our 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 elevator pitch, our unique selling proposition. So the four years at markets was all about like, who are we? What do people really want? And can I build a foundation of solid products and a solid brand message that can reach the masses? And so after four years, then it was like, okay, it's time to crack the digital marketing code and figure that whole thing out. And a lot of people struggle with the online thing because they don't have a keen understanding of what their market wants what their products really are capable of doing, what their USP is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people just try to throw something up online, which happens. And that's great for maybe some quick cash, but I wanted to build a brand and something that was going to stand the test of time. So you just got to do the work and build the foundation. But by the time I was ready to scale online and figure that whole thing out, I really knew at a very intimate level, like even down to how to speak to our, our market, mm-hmm. because they would come to me with, with all their ailments and their problems and their questions. And I could use that language in my digital marketing to 
but that was a process too. That was like a year of me trying to crack this code and figure out this, this whole video online format thing and like the ads and how do I take something that I've, I've given to people and they can smell and touch and yeah. see it and translate that to a, a web presence. And so that was a, another process but once you once you get the chemistry of everything from copywriting to messaging and video and imagery and and you don't have to have a pretty website most people start and they think they have to have this great um you know all this pretty packaging and great website and great labels and you know the the logo and i had i didn't i couldn't even afford at that point to like hire a professional so i was making my own stuff on pages Oh, just like a word document yeah, yeah. for Apple. So, and my funnel, my whole website thing was really ugly, but we broke. Once I finally figured, like cracked the code and everything just kind of yeah. came together, we did a million in less than six months with soap and lotion. Wow. And yeah, and scaled to eight figures in less than two and a half years. But that was a process too, figuring all that stuff out. That is insane. So, so in terms of like actual tactics, it was ads and it was things like that where you were putting the ads out there and then driving traffic back to the site. Right. And so, yeah, the, the first, ta- so strategic, like tactics, mm. strategics was, okay, I need to, um, I had found an amazing mentor who was like one of the top digital marketers in the world, Russell Brunson. Yeah. He owns a software platform and I, just was reading his books and he's like, Hey, if you do this video format exactly like this for a year, every week and like fail forward and do it, even when you're like really Mm -hmm. terrible at it, which I was, when I started on video, you can go back to my early videos and I was (laughs) awkward and nervous and not good. (laughs) But, um, he said, you'll make a million if you keep doing this. And so I took his format and his framework, and I condensed it from like a 90-minute webinar format into a five-minute presentation, yeah. which took me time. And then getting the copywriting together, it was just, yeah, it was a huge process. And then um, you get the video, right, with the copyright and like all the good, all the things. And then you have somebody who knows how to do e-commerce Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. And it's just the chemistry of all of it coming together. Uh, I remember that first day when everything started to work because I was running ads yeah. and not selling anything for like the first three months we had ads going and I kept having to like go back. Is it my offer? Is it the product I'm trying to sell? And sure enough, you know, my first offer was this like $200 offer of this detox kit, skincare, and nobody wanted to spend $200. The cold market wasn't yeah, ready for it. So yeah. So I had to figure out, oh, you know, um, I was just watching the trends and noticed like, well, maybe if we just start with this one $34 product offer and do the whole like free shipping thing, um, then I can upsell them. And so um, a couple things for every business, your fortune is in your follow-up. So mm-hmm. what you said about having good products is so critical because those repeat purchases is really where your profit's at. And so we would break even or lose money on those first, you know, cold traffic purchases, but we would retarget, we would warm people up through the video process and through the email process. 
and um, and then retarget them to our, our bigger site where all of our products are available. So keeping it simple on the front end and um, what we call the MVP, the minimum viable product. A lot of people are like trying to overcomplicate that first offer, but it's like, what do you know people need and what can you sell them in that first offer? It's just an irresistible offer. And then build a relationship with that that person over time and, and then serve them with more product. And um, so we had like four upsells on the back end of our funnel and downsells and never stop. You know, once somebody's ready to buy something and they pay and they pull out their credit card, at that point you have a buying pattern. So then it's like, yeah. that's where you want to get really smart about your follow on products. So it's like lotion bar on the front end oh, you're going to need a soap and you're going to need this other thing. And are you probably going to want more of the same thing since you just paid that much for the lotion bar? Now I'm going to get you four lotion bars and it's this great deal. That's just so irresistible. Um, So that strategy is really, really important. But the fortune is in the follow-up. So that's really critical. Yeah. So I'm interested then at this point when all this is going on and you're online. So one thing I should say, which we didn't say at the beginning is that you have four children, four boys, and you are pregnant with your fifth on the way, which is just crazy because that is more than a full-time job in itself. Like, honestly, how how old are the boys, rough ages? Are they little? 12 all the way down to three. Oh, my goodness. Like, honestly, I have one 10-year-old girl and my stepson who's 17, and (laughs) that is hard enough to deal with. So, like... How how's the business looking at this stage? Because again, I've got lots of um, lots of people who listen to the podcast who have a product, and they can't seem to think of how to, or they struggle to get themselves from being the the maker of the product to pulling them out of the process and and doing that, and also while growing it and managing this family. Like, how does all that work? Oh yeah. Well, in the beginning, it really is just a gritty process. I mean, I was doing mostly like nights, weekends, nap times, whenever I had spare time. And my spouse was also very supportive. And so we were on the same page about the direction that we're going. And so it was never like, oh, you have to work again. It was like, well, this is the, we can either pay again, we can either pay the price of mediocrity and struggle financially for the rest of our lives or we can just be all in in this thing. And he had so much faith in me. You know, you learn to take quality moments with your children. Mm -hmm. And what, you know, in the, in the beginning stages, it was never about quantity and the kids have forgotten how hard I had to work when they were really little. But now I like I've built something where I can, I can spend time with them and have help in the home. You know, I have a nanny, I have a tutor. I do all these things in my house that but it starts with like, you got to get that profitability so that you can replace yourself. And that was one step at a time. So in the first six weeks of our converting everything online and like things working, we had done our first 130,000. So I knew in order for me to run and build, I had to have a nanny. So I hired a nanny and then I started to hire like admins and people in the shop to make the product. Cause Nathan and I, when things first took off, it was just us like making product, labeling product, shipping product, answering wow. phones. We would get up at 5am and work till 2am for like the first six weeks. We were just Jeez. crazy. My mom would come babysit. and <laughs> um, but, but there is an element of like, that's 
that's the work that you've got to put in. Like, and at any one of these points, uh, you know, when you tell me your story, at any one of these points, you could have gone, oh, do you know, that's just too hard work. Or I just don't see a way around that. Or I don't see how we're going to move on from that. And you've just got to keep having that blind faith. And I think for you, you had that because you'd had this dream and, you know, but, but sometimes so you could always go back to remember that. And if you can remember it so vividly, that must really help. But I guess some people haven't had that and they just, they just know in their gut, I'm made for more. I need, you know, I don't want to live in media. I'm exactly like you. I don't, you know, and I am nowhere near where you are, if only, uh, but you know, like I'm sat here thinking, I don't want that, which is why, you know, we were just chatting about the fact that it's 5.30 and and we've just gotten an interview and I've got another call after this, but that's what you do because yeah, it's, it's not like, you know, I'm not always necessarily into the whole hustle factor, but, but it takes work. And if you think you can do it without any work, then you're really mistaken. It's true. And you know, the hustle is like, it's, there's also a separation between operating from a place of peace and rest even when you're externally like doing all this work. And so I think hustle is kind of like this lack of hustle. Yeah. Yeah, Like, I mean, there were, we we worked hard. We did. There's no way around it, but we were operating from a place of, and uh, it's not all the time. I mean, this journey is scrappy and crazy. And Nathan and I obviously would have moments where he'd be like every, cause he would take on side jobs, like weekend, landscaping projects so that we could make more to subsidize and it would be gone because we had to buy another tank or more essential oils and like because when you're starting out there's not profitability there's usually a loss and so we would have those hard conversations of what are we doing (laughs) is this gonna work but it has to work it's again we can either go the traditional route of nine to five the rest of our lives or we can say yes to entrepreneurship and we just got to keep going and we would always come back to that but there's no I think people think too that this building a business is just this external process of figuring out the marketing the the product development you know the sales strategy all of that but ultimately entrepreneurship is an inside job too and so there were so many times when again, you have to come back to the drawing board and get real with yourself and ask yourself the right questions. If I'm continuing to go around the same mountain over and over again, and I'm frustrated, maybe I need to tweak this or make a change to that. And I need to grow and learn and and develop and change. And, you know, I have a friend who she's in the corporate world and she said, the hardest thing you'll ever do in business, Jamie, is grow a backbone. And so you look, I look back on the Jamie a year ago or even like three months ago. And I'm like, the Jamie that got me there is not the Jamie that had to get me here. So you have to be willing to do the inside work, like the mental mindset shifts and the growing as a person, um, as you're doing the work, because otherwise you could be doing all the right things, but have like no acumen. Yeah. And, um, and then you lack chemistry. (laughs) So you have to like get all that yeah together and, and having like you know you can have all the tools and all the tricks and all the strategies but if you're scared if you've if that fear is like eating up in you and you're thinking I don't want to do this because what if this or what if that or whatever or you know 
And this is something that I've had to work on a huge amount because I came from a marketing background. I've done a degree in it. I've spent years in it. And, and I knew what I was talking about. Like, I know I know marketing. Like, you, I can talk about it in my sleep. But, you know, the, the being an entrepreneur and having to put yourself out there and having to put a product out there that people are going to buy. And there's mm-hmm. so much head stuff that comes up with that, isn't there? It's not just about... Yes okay, let's do the strategy. Let's do the thing. You know this stuff, Teresa. It's like, what if they don't like it? What if they don't buy it? What if... You have to fight your demons. You do. Yeah. And that, that for me has been one of the biggest shifts I've had in my business. And even now, like I'm going through a launch at the moment and I'm watching what's happening with it. And I'm having to have this conversation with myself daily. Like, you know, no judgment on the results. This is interesting. This is interesting why this might have happened or might not have happened. And why might that be the case? And what could we do differently? And, you know, rather than going, oh my God, not enough people have bought and therefore you're terrible and rubbish and no one likes you and your stuff is awful. You know, it's having to have these conversations because do you know what? If if I didn't have those conversations, that's exactly what I think. And would I do it again? No. I'd be like, well, that didn't work. Throw that idea in the bin. I'm just going to give up and go to bed with a bottle of wine. You know, that's what I'd be <laughs> thinking right now. But okay. the thing is, it's like, no, I know, you know. And again, in my head, there's this, this thing that I know I'm, I'm meant for more and, and yes. I want more. And even saying it out loud is really hard. But, you know, but I know <laughs> that. And, I, and my husband knows it. And we, again, we're on the same page. I actually just want to pick up on that really briefly. Like, how important do you think that was for you in terms of being able to get to where you've got? Because I know that some people don't have that. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a couple of things. There's like the practical side and there isn't like you have the inner man and the outer man, like you have the work that you're doing, but then you do have like the soul and faith is so important. I know, you know, for me, like my faith has, has anchored me, but then knowing too practically that action creates clarity and action cures fear. And most of us, the struggle really, when it comes down to it, if you just boil it all down, it's usually fear and doubt, anxiety. And those are the things that rob people of continuing. But when you realize that the fear comes, but as soon as you begin to take action, whether your results come out the way you want them to or not, that's part of the process. And by overcoming fear with action, you you'll begin to to develop those internal processes and mindset shifts that need to happen. And I love what you said. It's not about doing the thing and then like beating yourself up if the results don't happen. It's a learning opportunity. And we all start at zero. None of us know how to do what we're doing until we learn it and figure it out and then fix and and adjust along the journey. And so I think recognizing the process for what it is is so important. Knowing that you're going to fail, you're going to struggle, you're probably going to suck at first. It's just natural. But then if you ask yourself the right questions and take action and continue to change your, like, you know, we all know that um, the definition of insanity is doing the same same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. So it's like, hey, I've done this three times now and and I've got these same results and that didn't work. Yeah, I better maybe. <laughs> it. I got to do something different. Yeah. And, um, and that's again, like mentorship is so important. Listen to podcasts, read. I read so many biographies and I read so many books about failures and what, what they went from failure to success and what they did, like what, what did it take? And 
100% of the billionaires on the earth, if they didn't inherit it, if they had to, if they were actually like from zero to building something, it, it came down to developing acumen and doing the work. Yeah, yeah. So another question I've got is, what did it feel like to hit that? Like, have you had certain markers that you're like, that's it, I've made it? What what were those markers and what did it then feel to hit like eight figures? Oh, man. Well, so the eight figures was like a two and a half year process. Yeah. Because we, we were, you know, we were doing okay at the farmer's markets, but still like I still had to look at the price tags on my groceries. Yeah. And so the very first mile marker for me was I want to go to the grocery store buy all the expensive cheese and all the like fancy beverages and expensive like whiskey for my husband or like the kombuchas for myself without worrying about how much my total is going to be. Yeah. So when we, when we first did that thousand dollar day, that's the first thing I did was I went grocery shopping and like threw everything in my basket. And I think okay. I spent like $1,200 on groceries. <laughs> that is good work. That's what you can Yeah, we and a fruit. I wanted to buy so much fruit because we were always struggling to have like healthy, clean, good fruit and food in the house. And so that was one mile marker. And then it was like, you know, just being able to pay basic bills like insurance and utilities without like put it on auto pay. Yeah. You know, like you're paying it when it's due. Oh my gosh. The just the financial stress release of that kind of stuff. So that's another really key, like, that's a good goal to have is, okay, first I'm going to get oxygen for myself. I'm going to fix my own money problem. But now like the conversations Nathan and I are having are like, what can we do for other people? What country do we want to buy an orphanage in? You know, like it's good to get your own stuff together. Like even having a will and having like in investments, Mm -hmm. all those things we've been doing now to get our own stuff like fixed and together and then going from that to like, okay, we're going to make a huge impact as we build wealth. And so there's mile markers along the whole thing. And I think everybody's going to have different ideas about what that looks like. Another thing, we drove the crappiest oldest minivan until like six months ago because Mm -hmm. it wasn't important to us. Like you get to a point too, where having nice things is just great, but it doesn't like, it doesn't, you know, I don't care that much about the car that I drive or the house that I live in. I care more about the impact, but being able to drive a nice vehicle Mm. was a great, huge thing for our family. Like the boys Mm. being able to, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. Cars are their thing. Like, so we've just had a new car and I'm very much like you, like, don't get me wrong. I want to be in a nice car, but like, I don't get it as much. And you're so right as well. Like, you'll get something and it'll be like, oh, it's amazing. And I keep checking it out on the drive and it's all fine. But like that'll last, what, a week, two weeks, a month, two months. And then suddenly it's like, oh yeah, no, yeah, that's the car. Yeah. And and it's just lost. Whereas like, I love the the fact that, you know, you want to make the impact. And what do your boys think of, so do both you and your husband work in the business now? Yes. Mm -hmm. What do they think of the fact that, mum and dad work in the business, have a business. Do they get it? Do they, are they interested, not interested? Oh, they're very interested. I mean, so they all, we've 
train them to like, hey, if you want to have that Lego set, (laughs) you're going to have to make your own money. So they work in the shop. And part of our like education process in our family, because we, we unschool, we have, you know, a tutor, all those things. The first thing I focused on was, you know, developing character and, and work ethic and teaching the boys how to have good reasoning and processing skills and thinking through things. And then came all these academics, but so the boys know how to work hard. They know how to earn their own money. My oldest son will go door to door and sell soap samples and like pass out catalogs because he wants to buy like the Nerf gun or, you know, the Lego set or whatever. And so they get that, but they've also gotten a little bit spoiled with how much time they want from Nathan and I, I'm like, you don't understand when I'm working during the day at home here and you want to go do something or play and with me, I'm like, Hey, you know, yeah. <laughs> most moms are out there, you know, working in a, in a job where they're away. I have this conversation yeah. with my daughter all the time that, you know, this is a really lucky situation that I get to work in the house with you in the next room. <laughs> Like this is not ordinary, which means when I don't want, you know, when I need to focus or when I've got a call or when we've got something, you've got to leave me to it, you know, and just be grateful that I can then make your lunch at lunchtime, you know, and I'm not here at your beck and call. But yeah, it's a tricky one. I think I try to do the same with my daughter in terms of like over here, I often find in schools, they are really kind of keen to teach them to get a job or what career are you going to have or and there's no real entrepreneurness in it and I never I never thought I was ever going to be an entrepreneur and was never something that struck me and how I I joke that I'm kind of accidental and I fell into it but but actually for me one of the things I'm trying to teach her and trying to talk to her about is that's not you know that doesn't have to be the case the same with my my stepson if you want to do something then do it you've just got to work really hard at it you know yes and and there's some that will and some that won't, and that's fine. But, yeah, you know, exactly. there are the options open. So mm-hmm. tell me how the business looks today, right? So you've gone from, like, you and your husband making everything, doing everything, learning, reading the books, and it got you to a real amazing point. But running a business of this size, like, is it a huge team? Do you have like little to do with the product making now? Do you still do development? How does it look today? Yeah, that's a great question. The f- The first thing is like, where are the areas that are draining you as an entrepreneur? Those are the first things you want to replace yourself. So now, I mean, I'm like, I, I'm focused more on marketing and brand and vision. And we have our craftsmen that make the soap and make the products and we, we control our entire process. So we have our own facility and we ship our own boxes. So we have our shippers and and we have our own um, marketing team and our own tech team and our own logistics team. Like we, and that's another part too, like a a huge learning curve for us because we were outsourcing like shipping and logistics and Mm -hmm. we realized we could do it better and more cost-effective. And so some people it's good to decide at some point, like what areas are you going to outsource and what areas do you want to build a team, but building a team, there's a price to pay there too. Cause now you're like, there's learning curves with, with just team dynamics and getting your team like up to speed on how I would do things. And so there's nothing my team does that I haven't done a million times over first, yeah. whether it's answer the phone, 
or ship a box or make a product or, you know, <laughs> I know all the nuances. And so it's a really good thing to start out doing everything yourself, but don't stay there. And so, so now we just can, are continuing to expand the, di- you know, the different departments within the company. And yeah. I'm continuing to replace myself and more and more things. Cause truly part of my goal in building a business is obviously, I mean, worldwide impact and great profitability, but it's also because I want to be, I want to be able to hang out with my kids and bake cookies yeah. and spend time in the garden. And so I'm, replacing myself more and more so I can work more part-time than full-time. I want to be full-time mom, part-time on, you know, business while everybody's doing like leveraging, having a team. And it must feel, I mean, that in itself, like when you've gone from, okay, I'm building a website to this is our tech department, or (laughs) I'm doing some Facebook ads. This is our marketing department. That (laughs) must feel like like you said, it comes with its its issues as well. Managing a team is tough, but that must feel amazing to be in that position. It is. I And all the little tiny twists and turns and decisions to get there. I mean, I look back over 10 years, I'm like, oh my gosh, we so often we made the hard choices and we made the, like the right little tiny choices along the way that have gotten us here. And if we had skipped over anything, it, I'm just like, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. And that's another thing I think that's really key in, in paying the price and, and is the process will humble you. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, you'll never see me like taking for granted or like I see people who have skipped the process and then somehow they get like it in their head that they are so awesome. I'm like, I, (laughs) I just know I worked really hard and, um, and there's such a, like, I just know that where I am too, I teamwork makes the dream work. And so we built a great foundation, but we are where we are right now too, because we have good people on our staff and, you know, it's a team effort. And so um, embrace that hum- humbling process. You know? Honestly, talking to you and seeing you and, and, it, you know, in the nicest possible way, you know, you don't come across like you are running a company of that size that, that you built this, like, cause like you said, there'd be a lot of people that that goes to their head entirely. And they'd be like, check me out. How amazing am I? Like, yeah. you see what I just did. Right. And it is like, it is absolutely amazing. But I think there is something so lovely and so humble about going it is amazing and I am really lucky or I worked really hard to get to where I've got and and I'm going to be really grateful for that I think that's huge because then also the way you invested in your audience in the early days in your customers and you wanted to learn from them and appreciate them and understand them is the same way from what I'm hearing that you are doing in your team now so you know that this isn't just necessarily down to you and, and your brain. This is, this is, you know, it got you to an amazing place, but this is a, a combination of everything, isn't it? And, mm-hmm. and you need those customers, obviously, as much as you need the team, as much as you need you. Yeah. And seeing that as a balance is amazing. Yes, 100%. Like, I don't consider myself a boss. I'm like, now my role to play in this company, of course, it's critical, but I am one of many. We all have to work together in order for us to get past the next finish line. And 
there will never be a true finish line in, in this for me. It will always be about more impact, more growth, dominating in my space. Um, but I can't do it alone. And so recognizing your part to play in the, in the vision, if, especially if you're going to go from being a business owner to a carrier of a movement, the movement, when, when you step from, hey, this is a product or a business into this is a movement, there's an even greater responsibility for humility. And, and that's where like when we talk about this process of becoming um, I had becoming her trademarked because like I'm teaching that now, yeah. you know, now it's about how can we help other people do what I've done and understand the process that they're in. But it, it's mm-hmm. definitely, um, I'm going, I'm like, I'm learning things now that I never thought I would have to learn. And it's hard. I mean, being a business owner is hard, but so uh-huh. is being poor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's just a choice, isn't it? You know, and and the other thing is, I think that's the other thing, because sometimes someone who is at the beginning step, someone who is making the product themselves, fighting to sell it themselves, you know, really kind of doing what you were doing at the beginning, you know, could be listening to this thing and it's so easy, but it's, it's just because you are at this stage does not mean you don't have the problems. You don't have the issues. You don't have the, they're just different ones, you know, new devil, new devil. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the tears still flow. <laughs> the banging your head against the wall, the wall still happened. Now it's not because my debit card's declining because I can't afford groceries. Now it's like, oh my gosh, all the other new problems. But yeah. that's the great thing is you can look back and be like, the problems I had a year ago are laughable and it's going to happen the same way. You start to develop a greater perspective for the process. And, mm. and I'm like the storms I'm passing through today a year from now are going to look like puddles. Yeah. You know? And so you just embrace the, the pain and the process. Yeah. Yeah. That's such, such good advice. And I need to just finish up on saying that obviously your products are amazing because you look amazing and you have four (laughs) children. So like if there's anything to be said of them, they're obviously brilliant because you look fantastic. (laughs) And and who doesn't love a nice product? You know, this is like, you want something that's lovely, don't you? So it's an amazing mm. industry to be in, a tough one for sure. But what an amazing story. Thank you so, so much. I am so glad you came on and talked about this because I know there'll be people out there who have amazing products and are doing amazing things. And they're just thinking, I don't know how I would get there. or I don't know that I can get there. And you've just proved to them they absolutely can. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you, Teresa. It's great to be here. Okay, there you have it. What did you think of that? Wasn't that amazing? Honestly, she blew my mind. The fact that she took that business from an idea and then has got to where she is today, I think if you ever sit there doubting that this can't be done or you can't do this or you can't grow that business or whatever, I just think you've got to look at her story. Really, really competitive industry and yet she did it. She absolutely did it. And to go from a point where they were literally debating about what groceries they could buy, groceries, we don't call them that, uh, what shopping they could get, food shopping they could get, to then being in a position where she runs this business is just inspirational. I was absolutely fascinated by it. Okay, I will leave you for this week. So do episode next week, as always. 
Also, do not forget to go and sign up for that free training. It's going to be a blast. So go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash free training and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then I would love it so very much if you were happy enough to head over to iTunes and give me a review. 